If you're enjoying Bradbury 100, please search for my YouTube channel, Bradbury 101, where I review Ray's books and films. And why not check out my other podcast, Science Fiction 101, where we explore science fiction from all angles. Find Science Fiction 101 wherever you get your podcasts. This is Bradbury 100, celebrating the life and work of American writer Ray Bradbury. I'm Phil Nichols of bradburymedia.co.uk. Hello, and welcome once again to Bradbury 100. I don't very often do reviews of new publications on this show, simply because there aren't very many, but I just happen to have come into possession of several new Bradbury items in the last few weeks, so I just want to run through them. They're all a little bit under the heading of rarity or limited edition, and so if you're going to buy these, you'll probably have to move fairly quickly and uh, probably be willing to pay something of a premium price for them, because these aren't mass market items that I'm going to review today. Uh, and I guess at this point it would be worth saying that I'm recording this in October 2023, and depending on when you're listening to this, these things may already be sold out. I've got three things. The first one is something I've mentioned on my blog previously, although I'm not sure whether I've ever mentioned it here on the podcast, uh, and that is a new Blu-ray release of Ray Bradbury's The Martian Chronicles. And this is the miniseries from 1980, you know, the one starring Rock Hudson. Now, it's not the first time that this has been available on home media. There was a DVD years ago, and in fact there has been a previous Blu-ray release, but that previous one had very limited extras. And if there's one thing I like on home media, it's some good extras, you know, some features. This new version comes from ViaVision Entertainment, which is an Australian company, and they do seem to ship worldwide. Certainly they shipped to me in the UK. The first thing you're struck by when you open the package is the front of the box. It's got a, I think they're called lenticular 3D images. It's got a, an, an image on the front. It's one of those sort of tilt card things where you, you hold the thing in front of you and as you tilt it, it gives the illusion, supposedly, of three dimensions. Uh, they were very popular back in the 70s, but they seem to have reinvented it here for the, for the packaging of this Blu-ray. More importantly than the, the packaging, though, is what's on the disc, or the discs, plural. And this one does give you The Martian Chronicles in genuine high definition. It was shot on film and has been rescanned in HD. And having compared this release to that earlier one that I mentioned, I do believe that this is exactly the same print that they've scanned. And in fact, it may even be the very same encoding. I don't think the print has been restored, or if it has, they've overlooked some areas. But it, it still looks remarkably good in most places. But there are one or two places where there is damage to the print. 
And there's a, a particularly bad edit, a splice in the film. And it occurs while we're looking at the character of Spender, played by Bernie Casey. And there's a particular disruption to the image as a bad splice goes through the telecine machine. And it's exactly the same bad splice that shows up in both Blu-ray versions, the earlier one and this current one. So that's what makes me think that this is exactly the same print and possibly the very same transfer. Nevertheless, scanning the 35mm film in high definition gives you the best quality you're going to get, really, for, for something that was shot on film but made for television back in the 70s or 80s. Now, if you've already got The Martian Chronicles on DVD, buying this one would be a good step up in quality. But if you've already got The Martian Chronicles on Blu-ray, the only reason you would possibly upgrade or cross-grade to this one would be for the extras, or, or because you're a completist. Now, of course, the visual effects in The Martian Chronicles are famously terrible. Some people excuse them by saying, oh, it was made in the 70s, what can you expect? And I always say, well, Star Wars was made in the 70s. Battlestar Galactica was made in the 70s. I expect really good model work in something that's made in the very late 70s, as The Martian Chronicles was. And The Martian Chronicles has model work, which it looks like it's from the 1950s or earlier. It truly is appalling, uh, especially when we see the Martian sand ships which look like horrible little toys that are being pulled along by string. So <laughs> don't go buying this Blu-ray set if what you want is to see good visual effects, because that ain't going to happen. This, <laughs> the HD presentation, if anything, is just going to make the effects look even more terrible than they did before. But the Blu-ray set does have some great short features, and this is what makes the set worth having. In the features, they interview people who worked on the show, and this is quite exciting because there's never really been any behind-the-scenes stuff on The Martian Chronicles. They haven't been able to interview the major creatives involved in the show because, of course, they're no longer with us. The director, Michael Anderson, died five years ago. The screenwriter, Richard Matheson, died about ten years ago. And, of course, Ray Bradbury died 11 years ago. And Rock Hudson, the star of the piece, died a couple of decades back. So there aren't many of the principals still with us today. But what we have on this Blu-ray are interviews with some of the special effects people. Uh, not the ones who did the model work, fortunately. <laughs> and there's also an interview with a music person. The interviewees are Colin Arthur, who is a special effects and makeup artist, and there's Brian Muir, who is a special effects sculptor. And there's also this very good piece on the music of The Martian Chronicles with Richard Harvey as the interviewee. Now, Richard Harvey isn't the composer for the series. That uh, credit went to the late Stanley Myers, the guy who had previously won an Oscar for Cavatina, the theme from The Deer Hunter. Well, the big revelation on this Blu-ray set the feature with Richard Harvey, is that Harvey did much of the orchestration work for The Martian Chronicles. In fact, he did far more than you might think. 
and it sounds from his own account as if he played a, a really major part in the soundtrack. So that feature with Richard Harvey is quite a gem, in my view. The other two features turn out to be a little bit of a throwaway, unfortunately. Uh, Colin Arthur and Brian Muir, the special effects people, they're good, they're entertaining to listen to, but they spend an awful lot of time talking about going to restaurants in Malta while the series was being shot, and not talking so much about the making of it. So it feels like a bit of a wasted opportunity there. Now, it may simply be that they don't have very clear memories of that production, and if so, that's unfortunate, but understandable. But I think the interviewers could have interrogated them a bit more. The other really valuable aspect of this Blu-ray set is the audio commentary, which is on all three episodes of The Martian Chronicles. Remember, The Martian Chronicles was a three-part miniseries, and nominally three lots of two hours, and it was originally broadcast over three consecutive nights on network television back in the day, 1980. And on these Blu-rays, they have Gary Girani giving a running commentary on all three parts, and it's jam-packed with information. Gary Girani is a media journalist and an author, and also a screenwriter. And back in the 70s, he wrote a, a really nice book called Fantastic Television, uh, which is still a very good reference for pre-1980s science fiction TV. And on these Blu-rays, here's Gary telling us all he knows about the Martian Chronicles. And he talks not just about what we see on screen, but he also talks about behind-the-scenes stuff and the writing of the script and so on. So it's a genuinely useful account, uh, particularly of the writing of the series and some of the creative and production choices that were made in the series. He does actually make one or two mistakes, but nothing too serious. And it's simply because in some parts... He only has limited information available to him. For example, he talks about some elements of the adaptation which he attributes to Richard Matheson, who wrote the script. But those elements actually came from Ray. Probably the most significant one of these is the inclusion of the story The Messiah in the miniseries, uh, because The Messiah is a Bradbury short story that isn't from The Martian Chronicles. It was written many years later. And Gary Girani talks about Richard Matheson cleverly deciding to incorporate this external Martian story into the Martian Chronicles. Well, in fact, that whole concept came from Ray. And the story, The Messiah, was originally created in one of Ray's Martian Chronicles scripts, one of the film scripts he wrote in the 1960s. Now, I've spoken about the Martian Chronicles films that never were on a previous episode of the podcast, so uh, if you want to know more about that, refer back to episode 28 of Bradbury 100. The other bonus feature you get on this Blu-ray set isn't new, but it may be new to some listeners to this podcast, and that is the inclusion of the 1996 documentary Ray Bradbury, an American Icon. And this is the one narrated by Rod Steiger. And it's essentially an extended interview with Ray with lots of visual material from his own TV series, The Ray Bradbury Theatre. It has been on TV before. Uh, I think it was on PBS at one point. And I know it's been on TCM. And it used to be available on DVD as a standalone documentary. 
But if you've never seen it, or if you've never had a copy of it, here's one way of getting hold of it today. Now, it was made in standard definition video, and here it's been upscaled to HD, so, you know, it kind of improves the image a little bit, but that never really does wonders with that kind of material. But at least it's watchable. And of course, Ray is, as ever, very entertaining as an interviewee. So there's some good extras on this Blu-ray set. The Gary Girani commentary is excellent. Uh, musician Richard Harvey is really excellent and insightful, and the Bradbury documentary is well worth having if you don't already have it. And for me, this is the best home media edition of The Martian Chronicles there's ever been. I'm not entirely sure what regional coding it has, if any. It doesn't say on the packaging that it is regionally coded, so maybe it isn't, I don't know. The only thing I do know is that it's made for the Australian market, which is region B when it comes to Blu-rays, and that is the same region as the UK, and it definitely works on a UK Blu-ray player, because that's what I've used. So if it is region B coded, then it won't play in a standard US Blu-ray player, but I suspect that it isn't region coded at all, in which case it ought to play anywhere in the world. But if you don't live in region B, I strongly advise you to do some homework before spending money. Uh, the Blu-ray set costs 69.95 Australian dollars, which is about £37 British money, or about $44 US, plus shipping, of course. The second item that's come my way recently is a very hefty book from 2022 called Phoenix 451, and it's attributed to Ray Bradbury, but of course it's a posthumous book. It's published by Gauntlet Press. It's a hardcover book, and it runs to 840 pages. Yes, you heard me, 840 pages. And it's edited by a friend of this show. Elizabeth Nahum Albright, who was a guest on this very podcast way back in episode four, one of the early guests that I had. Now, Lizzie is an artist, a photographer, and she also happens to be the daughter of Don Albright, who for many years has been Ray Bradbury's official bibliographer. And Don has put together many books over the years built from forgotten Bradbury manuscripts. And what he has traditionally done is dig into the archives and bring to light manuscripts that have never been seen before. Uh, early drafts of works, screenplays based on Bradbury's books, and that kind of thing. Now, the credited editor of this book, Phoenix 451, is Lizzie, but it does also say compiled by Don Albright. So it's clearly a collaborative work between the two of them, father and daughter. So what is Phoenix 451? Well, it's a collection of Ray Bradbury's dramatic adaptations of Fahrenheit 451. And what they've included in the book is Ray's typed manuscript for Fahrenheit 451, the novel, his 1955 stage play script, which was never performed because he wasn't happy with it, mainly because Charles Lawton told him it wasn't any good. 
There's his later stage play, which was written in the late 70s or early 80s, and that's the published version that you can obtain fairly freely. But here it's presented as a typescript. And there's his script for the musical of Fahrenheit 451, but there's no music included, so it's simply the book. And also included is Ray's 1994 screenplay for Fahrenheit 451, which was never filmed. And thrown into the mix, there are various letters and notes and photos and other documents. Now, this book is predominantly facsimile manuscripts. OK, so what you're seeing on the page is Ray's actual typed pages and sometimes his hand corrections. So if you're into this sort of thing, as I am, it's fascinating. Uh, I've spent many years working on archive research, studying Ray's manuscripts, and in particular his scripts, his uh, screenplays. And some of the typescripts published here for the first time are very familiar to me because they're manuscripts that I've studied in the Ray Bradbury Centre in Indianapolis. So what you're getting in this book is manuscripts, typescripts, that you would normally have to visit a specialist archive to be able to study. But here they are presented for you in book form. So this book is bread and butter to me. You know, this is the, the stuff that I live for in, in terms of Bradbury research. But it may not be everybody's cup of tea. And the fact that the pages are facsimiles with all the good and the bad that that brings may mean that it's not suitable for some readers. Um, the good thing about having a facsimile typescript is you get to see exactly what Ray typed, and sometimes you get to see his hand corrections. The bad thing is that sometimes they are difficult to read because we're talking about very old pages that have been scanned, and uh, it's a bit of a struggle to see what's on the page. So we are talking here about typescripts that range from the 1950s through to the mid-90s, and sometimes these are taken from carbon copies rather than top copies. And sometimes when these are photographed for print, as they have been done here, they're a little bit difficult to read. Now, some of the earlier books that the same publisher put out, Gauntlet Press, were oversized. So they did a really lovely book of It Came From Outer Space, which reproduced Ray's script for the film. And that was an oversized book, so the typescript pages that you get in that book come out bigger than the original, so they're really very easy to read. This book, Phoenix 451, is more or less a standard hardcover size, and that means the pages are smaller than the original typescripts because typescripts would have been done on letter-sized paper, uh, which is roughly the same size as European A4. But they've obviously been reduced to fit into a standard hardcover. So I don't want to overstate the problem, because it's only a few pages that are difficult to read. And I think, in all honesty, if you've never read a screenplay before, or you've never read a stage play, then I think you would probably struggle with this book so I don't think this book would be for you. This really is for the completist, and particularly for anybody who really wants to study Ray's dramatic writing. 
It's sometimes said that Bradbury cannot write realistic dialogue, and that's why he never really had a big career in film. Well, I disagree with that. Uh, when Ray is writing a film script, he knows he's writing a film script, and he writes dialogue that is designed to be spoken. And I think people who, who make the claim about Ray not being good at dialogue, they're not just the man on the street. We're talking Rod Serling, he said that. Harlan Ellison said that. So even people who are very knowledgeable about writing for the screen have said Ray's dialogue doesn't work. I think actually what they're talking about is this. If you take what's in a Ray Bradbury story and try to transfer it directly to the screen, you will find that the dialogue doesn't work, because in his prose fiction, Ray is a stylist, and he writes stylized dialogue. Put it on the screen, put it on the stage, and you inevitably have to make some kind of adaptation. But that would be true of any attempt to adapt a book or a short story for the screen. But what you have in a book like Phoenix 451 are Ray's stage scripts, Ray's film scripts. And you get to see that Ray is pretty good at dramatic writing and dramatic dialogue. Anyway, Phoenix 451 is a hefty tome. There's a very brief introduction in there by William Shatner, which it's great to see, but I was frankly disappointed by what Shatner wrote, because he makes it sound as if he barely remembers ever, <laughs> ever meeting Ray, even though he connected with Ray on a number of projects over the years. The book does end very nicely with a collection of Elizabeth Nahum Albright's photos. She had a photo exhibition called I Saw It at Ray's House, and I think this has been staged in a couple of places. I never got to see the exhibition myself, but I have seen some photos taken of the exhibition, and it did look great. And Lizzie has included her photos at the back of the book, so these are very, very interesting to look at. Lizzie basically grew up in the presence of Ray Bradbury because her father, Don Albright, would visit Ray every year, often multiple times a year, and Lizzie would go along with him. So as a young child, she was at Ray's house and she grew up as Ray grew old. So there are some really very moving photos in the book. So that's Phoenix 451 from Gauntlet Press. It comes with a dust jacket that has a painting by Ray Bradbury, and it's available as a standard edition, which costs 75 US dollars, which is about 62 British pounds, and more expensive numbered and lettered editions are available. And the third and final item for review is a new 4K HDR Blu-ray release of It Came From Outer Space, recently issued from Warner as a limited edition steelbook. This is the finest transfer you will find of this film anywhere. The bonus features, I have to admit, I found a little bit disappointing because they are exactly the same as the ones on the Warner DVD issue of the film. There's a very good commentary by film historian Tom Weaver, but that was on the DVD. There's 
the documentary, quite a good documentary, called The Universe According to Universal, all about the different universal monsters. Very good piece, very interesting. It's been upscaled to 4K, but since it was made on standard definition videotape, it still looks like standard definition videotape. So if you already have the DVD version, the only reason to upgrade to this one would be if you want the film itself in higher quality. But of course, bear in mind that to play 4K discs, you need a 4K Blu-ray player. And ideally, <laughs> you need a 4K television as well. There is another edition of It Came From Outer Space, which comes with a second disc, uh, carrying a 3D presentation of the film, because it was made in 3D originally. Now, I didn't bother with that version, because I don't have a 3D TV, and actually nobody is making 3D TVs anymore. But having seen the film projected in 3D a few years ago, I can say that it's a very good 3D film. It's fairly understated in the way the 3D is used. It's not one of those in-your-face films that throws objects at the camera. So if you have a 3D TV, you might want to go for the edition that has the second disc with the 3D version on it. I hope you found these reviews interesting. For now, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on Bradbury 100. If you enjoy Bradbury 100, please give me a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. A five-star review will help others to find the podcast. Bradbury 100 is presented and produced by Phil Nichols. Music is provided by Purple Planet at purpleplanet.com. Please subscribe to or follow the podcast using your podcast app. You can find us on all podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all good podcast places. And don't forget to look for my Bradbury 101 series on YouTube and my other audio podcast, Science Fiction 101. For information on all of these and an endless supply of information about Ray Bradbury and his works, head to my website, bradburymedia.co.uk.